Well, good morning, guys. My name is Daniel Savannah Stallion, and I'm the student ministry director here, uh, and it is a joy and privilege to be sharing uh, God's word with you guys this morning, and especially because it's Confirmation Sunday. Uh, I didn't share this last with the last service, um, but two weeks ago, I actually had a dream, uh, two dreams in consecutive nights that I got up here to speak this morning and had nothing to say. And, and during the last service when I came out and when the video was playing, I opened my Bible and as I was looking through my Bible, I couldn't find my paper with notes. And I was like, oh wow, we're about to do this without notes. My dream is coming true. But luckily, the notes were there um, and that didn't happen and we had plenty to say. Um, but I'm excited to be sharing with you guys. As I mentioned, it's Confirmation Sunday. You guys look awesome. I love you guys. It's just such a privilege to be a part of the journey of faith of these students, um, culminating, 90 students culminating last night with our ceremony and this morning with our celebration. And we are excited that they are here and excited for what God has to share to them, but also to all of us uh, as the church of God. Um, We started a series a few weeks ago called Mark My Words, and we started looking at phrases and words, idioms in culture that we use almost every day or in conversation kind of colloquially um, that trace their origins back to the words of Jesus, whether we know that or realize that or not. And so we kick things off in here. We talked about wolf in sheep's clothing. And Pastor Jeff talked an amazing message about how to look for that, how to be on guard, how to be aware of people who are disguised, who maybe are leading others astray. Pastor Chad then talked about turning the other cheek. He talked about what that means and maybe even more importantly, what it doesn't mean. And he took some time to explain that. And then last week, we talked about the blind leading the blind with Pastor Trevor. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you about ours today. But here are some, some phrases that students say. Since our students are here, I figured we could do this. Here's some, some, some sentences or words or phrases they use that I personally would be okay if, if they don't continue on into the generations, okay? And so the first one is acting sus, Okay, suspicious. Um, and so they're acting sus when someone is being suspicious. We say that. Uh, ice in the veins. Okay, when someone, you have to ask them about this afterwards, what these mean. Um, of course, with ice in the veins, you always have to say, sheesh. Okay, and so you can talk to them afterwards. These are things that they're saying today that if, if, they, if we didn't say it ever again, I, I think I'd be okay with that. Um, because I am getting old and it's hard to keep up with all of the sentences and phrases that people are using. Uh, I'm joking. Today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, your phones, whatever it is, go ahead and turn there. We're going to be camping out in this chapter. We're going to unpack it a good bit to understand what all it's saying. But in Luke chapter 12, we're going to find out what we're talking about today is this sentence, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. We're going to find out these are words that Jesus said, but you may be like in your mind already like, wait a minute, I feel like I've heard this before, and you're probably thinking about the year 2002. When Spider-Man came out with Tobey Maguire, it wasn't the greatest film, but Uncle Ben had those words with, with, with Peter Parker, not Spider-Man, uh, with Peter Parker in the car, and he says to him, with great power comes great responsibility. You see, he didn't even probably know that at the time, but he was making reference, he was calling in some way this idea that, man, if you have received something, if you have been given something, maybe we've taught this to our own children, to our own students, that if, if you have something If you've been entrusted with something, use it for good, or use it to bless someone, use it to accomplish what God is asking, and that's what we're going to be talking about today as we look at the scripture. Now, in Luke chapter 12, when we jump in, we're going to find ourselves in the middle of a parable, starting in verse 35, and we're going to get there in a second, but before we do that, we have to understand the context of where Jesus finds himself. Jesus is talking, he's preaching, and he's actually preaching to the multitudes. In in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling over one another. 
Now, I want us to understand this because Jesus at this point had reached like celebrity status. Like he was a rock star, okay? All these people were there. Thousands of people were there, so much so that people were trampling over one another, all right? There was like a mosh pit going on. Like people were struggling and, and there was so many people. And as he's teaching, as he's proclaiming the good news, everyone wants to hear, what does this guy have to say? And it's interesting because he actually, it says in the beginning that he's talking to his disciples, but the first thing he says, he then starts talking about Pharisees. And then there's people that are listening who are just common people, and it's like, well, who is he talking to? Well, we don't really know, but we continue to read on. And in verse 13, it actually says that someone in the crowd, probably security wasn't that good back then, someone in the crowd says to him, teacher, and he calls out and asks a question mid-teaching. Now, if someone does that today, we have security. All right, if someone shouts out mid-message, security will come and find you, okay? No, I'm just kidding. But, but as Jesus is talking, as he's proclaiming, as he's teaching, we then get to verse 35. The crowd is there. They're all listening. And he's talking, and he says this. Verse 35. He says, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service. And he will have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes at the second watch, or in the third, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house be broken into. Verse 40, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Now, we'll pause here for a second. We're going to read some more of this. But Jesus starts off, and he's teaching this parable, and he's telling a story, and he says, and he drops like right in the middle of the conversation, middle of the story, and he says to them, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. Now, what he's saying to them is you need to be ready. This whole idea, this, this, this um, stay dressed for action was actually an expression that they used back then, which was gird your loins, I saw some heads look up, like, wait, what are we talking about? Gird your loins. This is not something that we hear often, but it's an expression that means to get ready. Now, I didn't know this because, well, we don't gird our loins these days, but I went online, I did a quick Google search, and I ended up on this website called The Art of Manliness. This is Trevor Miller's favorite website. It's a website that teaches you how to tie ties and how to tie bow ties and how to groom your beard and what kind of oils. And, and, and so there's actually, there's a section on the website that taught how to gird your loins. And so let's put it up on the screen. Okay, <laughs> this is how you gird your loins. Now, back in the day, they used to wear like more flowy outfits, guys, okay? And, and so you would take the extra robe and you would hike it up a little bit on your legs and you would hold it in front of you, pass through the legs, out to the side, tie a knot, now you're ready. The equivalent for this for us today is when you take your Crocs and you put them in sport mode. You know what I'm talking about. You take the back lip, sport mode, okay, you're ready to go. You had to gird your loins. You had to be ready, now, I don't know if they had sports back then or if they were getting ready for battle, but they, were, they, were, they had to get ready. They had to tighten their robe. They had to stay prepared. And Jesus says to them in this parable, the first thing out, out the gate, the first thing he says to them is you need to stay dressed for action. <clears throat> you need to stay prepared. I remember this one time. Dress for action is so important because I remember I was hanging out with a friend of mine. I actually came to visit from out of town, and it was on my day off on a Friday. It was his day off, and, and I came to his house on a Thursday, and we decided we were going to stay up late. We were going to have a bonfire outside. I think we, we grilled some steaks. We stayed up really late talking by the fire. The next morning, we woke up. We slept in, and then we woke up and went to go get some Chick-fil-A breakfast. Now, when you sleep in and get Chick-fil-A breakfast, you know what I'm saying is we got the Chick-fil-A at like 1025, 
10.26, maybe, okay, maybe it was 10.27, I don't know. But they still had some biscuits left, so we got as many as we could, went back to the house and started playing video games. This is what, this is like grown adult men, okay? And so it was our day off, we were just relaxing, we were hanging out, and I had my shorts on and like a hoodie, my hair was going like five different ways. I think he was in his shorts, he didn't have a shirt on. And then as we're playing video games, the doorbell rings. And so we weren't expecting anyone, we were like wide-eyed, and so we went over to the door, opened it up, and I'll never forget this, there was a detective there. I'm talking like blazer, tie, shirt, and he was like, kind <laughs> of looked at us, and he said he was canvassing the neighborhood because there had been some teenagers that were like vandalizing properties, he wanted to know if we had seen anything. Well, we were not dressed for that occasion. We were not dressed for that conversation. I was surprised he didn't take us in for questioning, but it's important here because Jesus says you need to be dressed for action. Gird your loins, and then he says keep your lamps burning. And this is another situation, another instance, another metaphor of staying ready, keeping your lamps burning. This should, in fact, remind you of the parable that Jesus talks about in Matthew 25 with the, the ten virgins and the lamps. And as the story goes, that these, these ten girls go to meet a bridegroom, and they all bring their lamps, and only five of them, the five wise ones, bring an extra flask of oil. Again, we don't understand these things, but in order to keep your lamp burning, you had to trim the, the wick, you had to keep the oil in it. And five of them bring extra oil, and five of them don't bring extra oil. And it says that the, the, the groom delays in his coming. And when they finally wake up and the groom, bridegroom is there, five of them are able to refill their lamps and go in and meet him. And five of them are not because they are not prepared. They aren't ready. And Jesus is saying, take action. Gird your loins. Keep your lamps burning. It says, be like the men who are waiting for their master to come home. One, one commentator says about this. He says, this is like the person whose eye is ever turned to the entrance to catch the first sight of the coming of the master. They're ready, they're waiting, they're looking. Is the Lord coming back? And Jesus says to these people, blessed are these servants. And, and he gives them more authority. He, he, he puts them in charge of their whole house. He says, blessed are these people. I might come in the second watch or the third watch. This is like the middle of the night. The second watch was from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. The third watch was from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. When most of us are snoozing. He says, if they're staying awake and they're keeping watch, blessed are those servants. And he gives this example. Obviously, if you knew someone was coming to rob your house, you would stay up for that. He says, but these people are blessed because they don't know the hour, and yet still they're waiting. And then we get to verse 40, which is the crux of all of this. It says, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. This is the important part of this whole parable. We need to stay ready because Jesus is coming back. And Jesus desires to do some things, to accomplish some things, and he wants us to be ready, to be active, to be a part of what he is doing. Don't miss this. He wants us to participate in what he is doing. Now, Peter, I love this, asks this question in verse 41. This is Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for all of us or for, sorry, for us or for all? Because again, he's talking to the disciples, the Pharisees are there, the people are there, and Peter's like the guy who raises his hand and he's like, do we really need to know this? He says, uh, teacher, is this going to be on the test? That's the question he's asking. He's like, well, who does this apply to? And Jesus, like he so often does, is faced with a question, and he answers with a story, a parable. I, I, I recently saw this. Someone was talking about how Jesus was a better listener um, than, 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 or a model of, of what a good listener we should be. It says that Jesus asked people 307 questions. And that in return, he only answered directly three questions. He was such a good listener. But in moments like this, if you were like Peter, it can become so frustrating. God, what does this mean? Who are you talking to? 
then he jumps into another story, another parable. Are you still with me? We still tracking? So the first parable is about urgency. Jesus is coming back. I want you to participate in this. You need to be ready. Peter says, who does this apply to? And he goes into another story. Verse 41. Peter says, Lord, are you telling this for me or for all? Verse 42, the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them the portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant who his master will find doing so when he comes home. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and the female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, he's partying. The master of that servant will come on the day that he does not expect him and an hour that he does not expect and will cut him to pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And the servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. Verse 48, but the one who did not no, and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Here's our, our sentence. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So we see this contrast with two servants. It's a very similar parable that the master is still away. We don't know when the master's coming back. There's these two servants, and they're contrasted right here. There's the blessed servant and the unfaithful servant. This is in verse 43, 44, and then 45 and 46. The blessed servant, it comes, when, the, when the master comes back, he finds him doing his job and he gets promoted. He gets a raise, cha-ching, okay? He's brought to the next level. Now he's in charge of all of his possessions. He's put in charge of his whole household because he knew what the father, what the master wanted him to do, and he went out and he did it. He obeyed. And his reward is that when God finds him ready, he promotes him to do more. And verse 45 and 46, instead we see the unfaithful servant. He's partying. He's having a good time. He doesn't care when the master's coming. And it says here, not that he was demoted, but instead that he is judged. It says that he has assigned him a place with the unfaithful. He's cast out. But what really is interesting in this passage is verse, then verse 47 and 48 take it a step further and explain the real problem. And verse 47 says, the servant who knew the master's will but didn't get ready or act accordingly will receive a severe beating. But the one who didn't know his master's will, even though he did something that deserved a beating, he will get a lighter beating. The message translation says he will get a slap on the wrist. You see, the two guys are contrasted because one is faithful, one is unfaithful. But even in the unfaithful one, there's a nuance, there's a difference between is he aware of what the master wanted and doesn't do it, or was he unaware of what the master wanted? Maybe he didn't know. You see, the the emphasis here is given to what we know, what God has given us, what he has entrusted of us. To whom much was given, much will be required. There is a correlation, a direct correlation between what we know and what we do. In James chapter 1, verse 22, he says it like this. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He says, when you hear God's word, when you receive instruction, when you are taught the word from God, when you go through a confirmation class and and all this information is given to you, now you know. Now you know the Father's will. And it's your job to obey, to put it into practice, to follow him, to be on mission with him. In James 3, then he continues, and this he speaks to teachers. He says, not many of you should become a teacher, my fellow believers, Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. You see, he's saying because we know, 
because we've received, because it has been given to us, to us actually, more is going to be required. See, the truth is this. God gives each and every one of us resources. He gives us talents, skills, ability, possessions, time, family members. He gives, he gives things to us that we can use for his mission, that we can in turn put to work for the mission of God. And we're going to talk about his mission for a second. But when we are made aware of that, when God tells us, hey, here's how I want you to serve me. Here's how I want you to be involved. Here's what I want you to do. It's on us to go and to do that, to respond to his call. In 2 Peter 3, 9, this is talking about the Lord. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as we all would understand someone being slow. Instead, he, he, he's not wanting that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The reason why God takes his time, the reason why God allows for things to happen over time is because he wants all to come to a knowledge of him. In Luke 19.10, it says that he wants to seek and save the lost. In Luke 5.32, he says he's calling all sinners to repentance. God's desire is to accomplish this great mission of proclaiming the gospel, of seeing people turning their lives around for him. And he's inviting you to be a part of that mission with him. He's inviting you to join him in that mission. He's inviting you with your gifts, with your talents, with your abilities, with stuff that only you can do. But maybe it's, it's, it's a grandchild that you have, or maybe it's someone that you talk to at school, or maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a family member. But there's things that there's people that you can only you can reach. Maybe it's through means or through time, or maybe it's a skill set that you have. Maybe it's something that only you specifically can do for the kingdom of God. And he wants us to know that if he's given that to you, his desire is for you to put it into practice. He wants you to take it and to use it for him. And so many times we come up with excuses I think, oh, I'll get to that someday. Oh, later I'll worry about that. One day I'll do those things. But he's saying, no, I want you to understand parable one, that we don't know the hour. We don't know the day. We don't know the time. But we need to be ready. Gird, gird your loins. Keep your lamps burning. Keep your eye towards the entrance because I'm returning. <clears throat> I'm coming back. And I want to do great things. There's a Christian rapper that I listened to that had this, this lyric, and I, I researched it to see where it came from, and some people attribute it actually to Will Smith. Uh, I'm not sure if he is the, the creator of this or if someone else came up with this. It has improper grammar, so I'll go ahead and warn you ahead of time. If you don't like that, you're not going to like this. But essentially it says this, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. The idea is this, if you take the time now to prepare to get ready and you stay in that position of ready, you stay in that state of readiness, then when the, the moment comes, you don't have to change anything. You don't have to do anything differently. In 2012, I experienced this firsthand. 2012 was when Hurricane Sandy came and hit the Northeast, and I, I was living in Long Island, New York at the time. Actually, the day before Hurricane Sandy hit, I was in South Carolina for a wedding that I was a part of. And I remember at the wedding, at the reception, as things were wrapping up, people said to me, oh, when, when are you going to New York? Are you going to be able to make it back? And I was like, yeah, sure. Get on an airplane, we'll go back. They said, no, is your, is your flight going to take off? And I said, yeah, did you know something? I don't know. Well, they did. They knew that a storm was coming. And so I went online and started looking and researching. And sure enough, I was flying back Sunday afternoon. And Sunday evening, a lot of flights were being canceled and delayed. And my flight went and, and landed. I think it was one of the last flights to arrive to New York that day. And a friend of mine came and picked me up, and they said, hey, are you, are you ready for the hurricane? Are you ready for the storm? And I was like, bring it on. I'm ready. 
And they said, no, 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 are, are you ready for what's about to happen? And I was just like puzzled and not, not sure. And they explained to me that their dad was a little bit of a prepper. Their dad was concerned about my well-being and like, are you going to be able to, to weather the storm? Are you prepared enough for what's to come? And I just was so confused. And, and they said, listen, we have an apartment basement in our basement. We want you to come and stay there. And I said, sure, that's, that's fine. I love the company. And so I went. I spent the night there. And I ended up staying there for 12 days because it was 12 days that we lost power. It was for 12 days that we, we had no access to electricity in that area. The storm was very severe, a lot more severe than I expected. But in that house, everything kind of continued like normal. And even when there, a, a gas crisis came, similar to what we experienced just a few weeks ago, except for longer and on an island where the, the trucks couldn't come and bring more fuel, we were stuck. And in that house, it felt like everything was pretty much normal because this dad had a little bit of prepper in him. You see, I didn't know this, but he had actually gone and he had on hand 50 gallons of gasoline fuel in his garage. And I didn't know this either, but gas has like a shelf life. And every, I think it was every six months, twice a year, he, he would tell his family, if your car's empty, just bring it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fill it back up. And he would take the cans, put them in the bed of his truck and fill those again. Twice a year, he would do this constantly just because in case someday something would happen. And even when fuel started to run scarce, he, he had not one generator, but two generators. He had a propane generator, a backup generator to who was already his backup. And he was ready. When all, these, when all the signs started to show and happen that people need to get ready, things started to go out and things started to go missing in the store, but he was already ready because he had decided ahead of time, if anything ever happens, I want to be ready. There's an urgency with which God is calling us to respond to his message. He says, I'm coming. I'm returning. You already know how the story ends. But in the meantime, I want to use you to accomplish my goal, to accomplish my purposes, to proclaim the news to everyone around you. And I've given you resources. Are you using them? One of our last confirmation lessons, we talk about the harvest. We talk about the harvest of how God, when he comes back, he wants to, to reap a harvest and and. and in Matthew 9, 35, it says that Jesus went throughout the cities, the villages, teaching the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, healing every disease and every affliction. And in verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and they were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. But then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You see, Jesus' mind was always geared towards this. Jesus' mind was always ready for the people in need. Jesus was constantly looking at the needs that were out there. And his desire is to use people, men and women, students, this church, to accomplish great things. And the question for us is, are we ready? God's given us things. He's given us skills, gifts, and talents, abilities, time, money, resources, all kinds of things. Are we putting them to use for him? You see, if we go to the Lord in prayer, we say, God, what can I do differently? Say, God, how can I use what you've given me? If we go to him and say, Lord, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I ready to accomplish your mission? My guess is that God will respond to you very much like he responds to Peter. He probably won't tell you right away. He'll leave the choice He'll leave the decision to you. He'll answer you with the same message that says, to whom much is given, much is required. You know what you have. You know what you've been given. 
You know the ways in which God has blessed you. And it's on you to go and be a blessing to the world in return to proclaim the message of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning, for this opportunity to come and study your word together with these students, the people of this church, our friends online. Father, we pray today as we think about the mission that you have set before us, the fact that you are returning to this earth, the fact that you want to proclaim the gospel to the world. Father, we're grateful that you call and invite us to be a part of that. Thank you, Father, for the blessings that you give us, the resources, the skills, the talents, all that you've put on us. Father, my prayer today is that you would show us how to use those for your kingdom. And remind us that to whom much is given, much is also required. Speak to our hearts this morning, Father. Help us to see what you have for us, what you've required and asked of us, and help us to bring forth your kingdom. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.